morning. Good morning. That's better. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God is good, and it's uh, good to be here today with you. And uh, appreciate your pastor. Appreciate this church. I've been, I've known this for a long time, brother. You know, been here once or twice visiting. You know, over the years, and sure appreciate the ministry here and what God's doing here in Jackson. This is one of the bigger churches I get to. Most of the churches I go to run less than 20 people, and that's been my ministry all these years in helping struggling churches and churches that are hurting and churches without pastors and the churches that just need help, need somebody to knock doors once in a while, you know. And my days of walking the streets to knock doors are just about over, brother. I walk about three doors and I'm done for the day. And uh, it gets, it's getting a little bit harder for me to do a lot of things, but God's been good to me, amen. Psalm 85 with me, if you would, please. Well, I tell you, I'm always scared when the preacher says, what's your text? And then they read it because I have changed my mind from that pew to this pulpit sometimes, amen. But I'm glad the Lord didn't change my mind this morning. So God is good. I've been in a pulpit, started one message, and the Lord says, I don't want that message. And go to another message and preach it. Amen. God's just so good. But um, he said, you sound like you're unsure. You said, no, I'm never unsure. It's just that God changes my mind. Amen. So over in the book of Psalm chapter uh, uh, 85, and, and we've already uh, stood, we already read the word of God this morning. So I'm just going to get on with this with you. I got a question to ask you as I begin this message. And the message is this. Are you willing to ask God? Are you willing to ask God? So I want to begin in verse 1, and we're going to pick up in verse 4 in a minute. But verse 1 says, The Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of, my, of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin, Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy, uh, all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Boy, let me equate that real quick, just with salvation. I am so glad today I got saved. I'm so glad that God forgave my wicked heart and forgave all the things that I had done. And, uh, and just, God's just been so good to me. Amen. And I know he's been good to you if you've been saved. Aren't you glad that you're saved? Amen. Yes. I tell you, I, I, there's no greater thing in the world than to know Jesus Christ is your Savior. And uh, somebody says, well, I don't feel saved. Well, it's not my feelings. It felt good to get saved. Amen. But uh, the feelings aren't what saved me. It's Jesus Christ through his precious word and the shed blood upon the cross of Calvary. And I thank the Lord for that. So when I look at verses 1 through 3, I see that for me specifically, and you probably see that for you, that God has turned away from his anger with me. I have eternal life. I'm so glad for eternal life. So glad that when I die, I know that I am going to heaven. Uh, in fact, I tell people all the time, If uh, I, I always said when my wife's out here, I said, if I happen to pass out behind a pulpit and, uh, and I'm laying on the ground, don't, don't come up and try to revive me. Just let my wife come up, and if she walks real slow getting there, she knows what she's doing, amen. Call 911 about 15 minutes later, and uh, I'll be in heaven, hallelujah. And uh, my defibrillator just went off the other day. I was asleep when it happened. Well, I passed out when it happened. I'm glad I was out, brother, you know, because uh, I didn't want to be awake when that thing goes off, and it woke me back up. And uh, it, it wasn't because my heart quit, though, by the way. It's just because I had a heart rate that went over 222 I beat some minute, and, and I was sitting there, and I just went out. But uh, so my rule is, I told priests this morning, if I pass out up here, just leave me go, call nine one one, but don't touch me because if you do, you might go down with me if that pacemaker goes, that defibrillator goes off. Amen. Well, he says in verse four, and I watch this. What I want to pick up. 
Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Now let me ask you this question. Are you willing to ask God to turn you? Are you willing to ask God to turn you? Now that term, uh, turn there, simply means, if you look it up in a dictionary, or if you look it up in a Webster's 1828, which is my favorite dictionary, you'll find this. It means to draw back. It means to uh, fetch home again. That reminds me of West Virginia, where all my relatives are, you know, fetch it on home, fetch home again. It means to pull in. It means to rescue. It means to restore. It means make to return or cause to reverse. The Lord, he says here, uh, turn us, O God, of our salvation and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Jeremiah chapter 3, or chapter 31. Now, I've got a lot of these scriptures already out. You can turn there if you want to, uh, but uh, I might be done reading before you get there. So you can write it down, stick with me for a little bit, and we'll get through this this morning. And there is hope in thine end, uh, Jeremiah 31, 17 through 19. And there is hope in thine end, saith the Lord, that thy children shall come again to their own border. I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus, that hast chastised me. And I was chastised as a bullock, unaccustomed to the yoke. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned, for thou art the Lord my God. Let me make this statement to you. Uh, are you willing to ask God to turn you? Because when you ask God to turn you, he will turn you. He will turn you. I'm afraid sometimes we're afraid to ask God uh, uh, about certain things in our lives. Have you ever prayed a prayer something like this, God? Uh, I, 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 this is in my mind and this is what I'm thinking this is where I'm going Lord this is what I've done God forgive me and you've done it how many times and you've asked me to forgive you how many times and you know and that, but have you ever asked God just turn me Lord turn my heart from that completely Lord get a hold of me Lord move in my life as a child of God he says I shall be turned for thou art the Lord my God then he says in verse 19 surely after that I was turned. See, when God turns you, you were turned. And after, after he turns you, watch, I repented. Sometimes we look at the repentance pastor as the turning. He said, God turned him. He said, when I turned, when God turned me, then I repented. When God got a hold of my heart, when God showed me. You know, you can be sorry for a couple of different things. Uh, I, I had a fellow one time, I was preaching meetings in Ohio, a two-week revival meeting, brother. And uh, the, the first Sunday... Uh, I made a statement from the pulpit the first Sunday morning, and I made a statement similar, similar to, to this. You, 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 did you get saved because of your situation, or did you get saved because of your sin? Now, we turn because of our situation sometimes. We don't always turn because of our sin. Ask God to turn you, and you will turn. A young man came up to me afterwards who had been a, a cocaine addict and had uh, dealt drugs and and uh, had gotten a divorce from his wife, and, and, uh, but they were still living together. You know, go figure. They, you know, and he came up that Sunday morning. He said, Brother Mike, you said, were you ever turned because of, did you turn because of your situation or because of sin? Did you call upon God? And he said, he said this to me. He said, he said, when I was in jail for cocaine, he said, uh, I was feeling sorry for myself. And a preacher came through, and I prayed a prayer, but I've never changed. That tells me that you can pray a prayer and don't get saved. Amen? It's not the prayer. It's Jesus Christ. Amen? All about him, not about you, not about me. So he says, I repented after that I was instructed. That afternoon, that man came back to church. And the next Sunday morning at the revival meetings, the pastor married him and his wife again in a morning service. 
And then he baptized him and his wife and his son in, uh, after the morning service. Well, a great service, amen, it was that day. But are you willing to ask God to turn you? God wants to work in your heart. He wants to move. He wants to turn you. He makes this statement again. I was instructed. He said, I repented. When I was turned, I was repented. And after that, I was instructed. I smote upon my thigh. It's the thought of this. You ever, you ever, heard, you ever heard bad news? And maybe the thought in your mind, or maybe it's like this. I, no. Whoa, I can't believe it. It's like this, oh God, I've gotten so far from you. Lord, help me. Because God, my heart's not where it ought to be. And Father, now I see, because he is the one that's doing the turning. He will turn you through his word. He will turn you through preaching. He'll turn you through prayer, amen? He'll turn you through prayer. He said, listen, because I did bear the reproach of my youth. Sin will always leave a mark. Amen? You always bear the reproach of your youth. There's things in my body, things on my body, things in my body, but it was sin because I, before I was saved by the grace of God. I remember Dr. Clothier, a pastor. Did, was Dr. Clothier around at the college when you were there? And uh, we sort of became friends, you know. And he was doing an illustration one time. I don't know if you ever saw him do this illustration. But um, he, he opened up this leg trap. You ever seen that one? Open, open up on a pulpit. And he's up there and he's talking about people. And he goes like this. He's, he's taking his hand. He's going in that leg trap and out of that leg trap and all around that leg trap. He says, some people just want to mess with sin. I live so close to sin, so close to sin, so close to sin. And then he hits that lever and that trap shuts on that big old beefy hand he had. And he holds it up like this and he shows you, he says, one day it's going to catch you. And then he reaches down and he says, but he said, just ask God to forgive you. And he takes that trap and he lays it off to the side. He puts his hand in his pocket. In fact, puts his hand in his pocket. He had to chain, he had to put the trap in his pocket. He had the chain in there dangling out. And he's walking up like this. And he says, he said, now the, the thing is that um, you, um, you think everything's uh, taken care of. And he pulls his hand out without that. And he says, but sin always leaves a mark. He's got a great big old beefy red well across the back of his head. I don't know how he could do that. I thought, I thought, man, what a great illustration for a teen camp. Now I'm going back 35 years when I first started evangelism. So I'm in a teen camp and I go into a, I go into a back then farm and fleet store. And they sold traps. And I thought, I'm going to get me one of them. I'm going to do that. Man, I got one of the traps, I opened up on the shelf and stuck a paint stick in there and snapped that stinking thing in half and I thought, there ain't no way. <laughs> so then I thought, I can handle a rat trap. They're pretty big. And so I'd set this rat trap and I put my hand in like this and, and, just, and I saw somebody over here and I said, oh, I know what I'm doing. I turned around and bumped that stinking thing and that slammed shut, almost brought tears to my eyes. Needless to say, I knew a mouse trap wouldn't work so I gave it up. Yeah. <laughs> But sin always leaves a mark in your life. God wants you to turn. Not, not, uh, not repenting of your situation. Not because you put yourself in a place where you're feeling sorry for yourself and feeling sorry for what you've done. He wants you to turn because he's convicted your heart of sin. Amen. Yes. And we need to get that thing right with God as a child of God. Are you willing to ask God to turn you? When God turns you, you will be turned. When God turns you, you will repent. Amen. When God turns you, you will be ashamed of your sin. 
And when God turns you, you will bear some reproach. Look at the second thought with me. Are you willing to ask God to turn you? Number two, are you willing to ask God to revive you? Revive you. Look at verse six with me. He makes this statement. He said, thou wilt thou uh, be, uh, will thou not revive us again? That thy people may rejoice in thee. You willing to ask God to revive you? Have, willing to ask God to do in your life what it takes to bring you back where you ought to be as a child of God? You know, an unsaved man can't get revived until he gets saved. Amen. He needs revived to start with. <laughs> we need revived. We need, if you've been born again, saved by the very grace of God. Uh, I'll, I'll guarantee you this. Uh, uh, there's not one person in this room that hasn't thought of sin or hasn't sinned since they've been saved. Not one person, every one of us. Amen? And we need to repent. We need to get that right with God. Not only do we need to repent of what we are doing, preacher, but when that thought comes into our mind, we need to repent of that thought because if we don't, it's not long before it comes out of your life. You might say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that person a piece of my mind next time I see them. Be careful how much you give them. You might have given most of it away already. Amen? <laughs> but the thought... Now listen, don't take this wrong, but the thought is just as bad as the action. We better make sure that we have those things right with God. Are you asking God, will you ask God to revive you, to turn you back around where you ought to be? Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one, that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also, that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. That word humble there literally means depressed. I'm not talking about the depression that man suffers, that we, do, that we suffer. He's talking about where we are at between him and us, how sin ought to affect us so much that we, we, can't, we can't live with ourselves being in that kind of sin. He wants us to deal with that and take care of that. He's not talking about sometimes person, sometimes people... People go through depression, Pastor. I don't know if I ever have. Uh, if I have, I deal with it a different way, maybe. I don't know. I get down, but I don't know if I've ever been depressed. I know some people that get depressed, and boy, I tell you, it's hard to, hard to get them to come out of the house, hard to get them out of bed, hard to get them to do anything else. But the, the, the depression, this type of depression, this, this humbleness here that he's talking about, is when we see ourselves in sin between us and a holy God, and we know that we are not right, we know he wants us to get right with him. So he said, when we are to that point and turn to him, Turn to him, he will revive us. Turn to him. It means to pray literally or figuratively. It means to humble or to lower. It means, it comes from a base word, it means uh, to bring down. To, we, he wants us to recognize, hey, let's get over ourselves and start looking at him. It means to humble. It means to lay lower, put lower than. The idea of contrite is a word that literally means crumble. Hmm, you ever think about that? It means to crumble. I've seen some people, I think sometimes they just fall apart, amen? <laughs> that's what I think of, but that's not how he's dealing with it. It means to crumble. It means to bruise. It means to beat to pieces. It means to break. 
That's where our heart ought to be. Our heart ought to be broken because of the sin that's in our lives and because of the things that we're going through, because of what we're doing that we ought not to be doing, because we're thinking what we ought not to be thinking. My friend, it ought to bruise us. It ought to break us down to the point where we will cry out to a holy, righteous, pure God and ask him to forgive us and to save us by his grace or either to forgive us and help us to get right with him as a child of God. Are you willing to ask God to revive, to revive you? I remember, Pastor, years ago when I first got saved, you know, God took the drugs, took the drink, took the, he just took so much away from me that, well, I didn't want, not that he took it, I mean, I just didn't want to do it, amen. I was different, I was got saved. But I struggled with cigarettes for a couple of years. I couldn't get over them stinking things for not, I mean, just every time I turned around, you know. And I remember Dr. Larry Clayton, I don't know if you know Larry Clayton or not, a dear friend of mine. Larry Clayton was preaching one time in the church where I was, Don Bennett's church, and, and he's up there preaching. He's preaching the Word of God. Never said one thing about smoking, but man, I was under such great conviction. I went to the altar that morning, and I got on my knees at the altar and said, Lord, okay, Lord, I quit. I stop. I'm done. I'm finished. And I went home, took them cigarettes and crushed them up and threw them in a garbage can and got up the next morning and taped one together and lit it up because it was I quit. I stopped. I'm finished. So I thought, surely the easier way to quit, Pastor, would be to be uh, go to a go to a pipe. So I bought a pipe. Pastor Bennett's preaching. Never said one word about smoking. Never said one word about uh, a pipe. Never said one word about anything. And Pastor Bennett's up there and uh, preaching. And boy, I got under conviction. I said, okay, I go to the altar. I said, God, I quit. I quit. I'm done, Father. I quit. I'm sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. Help me to get over this, God. And Went home and broke that pipe in half and threw it in the garbage can with the macaroni and cheese and hamburger. Dumped the tobacco in there. Next morning I got up and went to the garbage can, picked that pipe up, glued it together, put macaroni and cheese and tobacco <laughs> in that pipe. You talk about, you talk about uh, man, when that, glue, when that glue got hot, good, and night liked to kill me. I'm sitting at home one day. Pastor Bennett comes to visit me. Now, Pastor Bennett did not know I was smoking. We were a member of the church, just a fairly new member, not there very long. He came to me and he said, uh, to the house, and I saw him pull in. Here's how guilty I was. When he pulled in, I took that cigarette and tried to pull it out and stuck it on a chair underneath the table on the other side of me. And he comes in, and there's smoke coming up behind he, Now, listen, you'd have to know Pastor Bennett. He is so great. He never noticed it. And he asked me this question. He said, Mike, he said, I've got a fourth, fifth, and sixth grade girls class. I need a teacher for. I said, preacher, I, I've only been saying, he said, well, you need to be a teacher. You need, to, you need to learn this stuff, Mike, you know. So he said, would you do this? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give in, you know. And he went home and he told my brother-in-law, who was a deacon of the church, he said, you know, I asked Mike if he would teach Sunday school class. He said, preacher, he said, you know that Mike smokes, don't you? He said, no. He said, okay. So he calls me on the phone. Pastor Bennett calls me on the phone. He says, Mike, he said, um, he said now, Mike, your brother-in-law, Mike, we were both Mikes, he said, um, he said that you're, you're still smoking. I said, yeah, preacher, I am. He said, uh, well, I'll tell you what. He says, here's what you do. I want you to teach that class this next Sunday. 
And if you can't quit smoking, you don't have to teach anymore. That was on a Friday morning. On my way to work Friday afternoon, the Lord said, throw them out the window. I haven't had one since, amen. It's not that I quit. God just said, throw them out the window, man. There's some things we need to throw out the window. Amen. Well, remember Samuel in the scripture? Well, that's God revived. Remember Samuel in the scripture, verse 8? Watch this. Oh, you Samuel here in a second. I will hear what, the, what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. I'm going to stop right there. Are you willing to ask God to speak to you? Are you willing to ask, listen, willing to ask God to revive you? Willing to ask God to turn you? Willing to ask God to speak to you? Samuel, remember Samuel now, as the Bible says this, and uh, when Samuel heard the Lord speaking to him at night, um, when, he was, when uh, Eli was asleep, and Samuel, go, it goes this way, Eli said unto Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt speak, Lord, remember this is the second time he already came now, third time the Lord's going to speak to him, he comes and he says, for Lord thy servant heareth, so Samuel went lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called, at other times, Samuel, Samuel, then Samuel answered, speak, for thy servant heareth. I wonder if we're willing just to listen to God, amen? Just listen to God. You ever read the Bible, and when you read the Bible, the, the Holy Spirit of God speaks to you? Now, I don't know what you do, but there's sometimes that's happened to me, and I'm thinking, okay, well, that's for somebody else. It's not for Mike Patterson. And inevitably, every time, God will say, no, that's for you. Well, I want God to speak to me, Amen. I do. I want God to speak to my heart. Not only do I want to speak to him, I want to learn how to listen to him the right way. Acts chapter 9, verse 6. You remember this when Paul, uh, or when, uh, 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 yeah, uh, when Paul got saved. I lost my train of thought there for a minute, preacher. You want to finish this for me? Just kidding. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and he trembling and astonished in Acts 9, 6. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? God, what would you have me to do? Speak to me, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Go to Isaiah with me just for a moment. Chapter 6. Isaiah in chapter 6. And I'll at least get you to, I'll get your fingers busy one moment here, amen, one time. Isaiah chapter 6, you know, verse, uh, I, love, I love this text. Uh, uh, I think Darren's not a preacher around, I ain't preached on this text three or four different times, preacher, about different things to get out of here. Verse 1, the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on, upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, uh, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And, he, and one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy. That's reference to the, uh, the Trinity, by the way. Amen. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. And said, I, woe is me, 
For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my uh, mouth, and he said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, hear ye, but ye understand not, see ye indeed, but ye perceive not. He, the Lord spoke to him. He said, here am I, Lord. The Lord speaks to him. He said, here am I, Lord. Here am I. I wonder how many of us today be willing to say, okay, Lord, here am I. Amen. You know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be in, in evangelism or in a pastorate or uh, a deacon or a Sunday school teacher for God to speak to you right. and for God to use you and for God to help you and to strengthen you and to lead you and to guide you. Yeah. You're willing to ask God to turn you. You're willing to ask God to revive you. You're willing to ask God to speak to you. And then look at another thought with me, if you would, please, back in our, back in our text. And he makes this statement down in, in the end of verse, oh, let me reverse it again. I will hear what the uh, what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and his saints, but let them turn, uh, not turn again to folly. You're willing to ask God to keep you, to keep you from returning to folly. Oh, is it uh, Galatians? Go to Galatians with me. Let's just go to the book of Galatians real quick, just for a moment. Galatians in chapter 4. Galatians in chapter 4. The Bible says this, Galatians chapter 4 down to verse 8, he said this, Howbeit then when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. Before you were saved, you didn't have a problem uh, serving anything that you wanted to serve, doing whatever you wanted to do. And then he says this, he says, But now that after ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire to be in bondage? Why would you want to go back? Why would you want to put yourself back under the bondage that you were in before you were saved? You say, oh, preacher, I was never in bondage before I was saved. I beg to differ with you. There were things you did. I don't know about you. There were things I did before I got saved that I never read in the Bible, preacher, that were wrong after I got saved. I just knew they were wrong because I got saved. Didn't read the Bible a lot of things about what was wrong and what was right. I didn't know the Bible then. I, didn't, I couldn't hardly tell you Genesis from Revelation, brother, let alone let find, uh, find Nahum or find Jonah or find, I couldn't, I, mean, I still struggle with them books, amen. <laughs> Listen, I'm just simply saying to you, there's things in the Bible that you and I need as believers in Jesus Christ, amen, and to keep us from going back to what we were and what we did and how we behaved before we were saved. Why would you want to go back? Why would you want to put yourself back under bondage? I don't know about you, but I don't. I don't, I don't want to go back under bondage. I got some conviction about some things, brother, amen. And some, you know, our convictions sometimes, there's biblical convictions, and then there's personal convictions, I believe. I might have some different convictions than you. You probably got some different ones than me, Amen. I have a conviction about not growing a beard, and I'm just kidding you. Just kidding you, Pastor. <laughs> just kidding you. Amen. <clears throat> Love you, brother. <laughs> just messing with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anybody hear what you just said? You said, cancel that love offering. 
<clears throat> Proverbs chapter 26, verse 1 says this, As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. How many of you ever had dogs out here? You know what he's talking about, don't you? Dogs can be nasty sometimes, brother. 2 Peter 2, verse 20 to 22 says this, For if after they had escaped the pollutions of the world, Amen, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that's how they escaped, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter is worse with them than the beginning. I get to, um, I was the first one in my immediate family to get saved. Interesting, I, just recently I was telling that to my grandkids, uh, Rochelle's kids. You know, I think I told them all this at one time or another. And I made the statement, I said, you better be glad that, that uh, Grandpa got saved. Because if I wouldn't have got saved, your grandma would have never married me. Because she wouldn't have anything to do with me. Because she was a Christian from a young child up, you know. I said, but, uh, but boy, God, got, God saved me, and, and I just I mesmerized her with my good looks and how pretty I am. And my, yeah, that's what my grandkids do laugh, you know. And I said, I said uh, but I said, if, if Grandma would never marry me because I wouldn't have been saved, I said, you would, your mom would have never been born. You would have never been born. And Natalia says this to me, sitting across from the campfire. She says, well, Grandpa. I said, what? She says, Maybe I've been born to somebody else. I said, I said, it don't work that way, honey. Hey, man, it don't work that way. <laughs> Why would I want to go back to what I was and what I did after I know the grace of God? And the only reason is this, because the flesh and not giving into the spirit, but giving into the flesh. Sometimes we just, remember what we used to say back, remember the, how many remember the 70s? How many remember the 50s? I remember the, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'll stop right there, amen. <laughs> I get in trouble all the time. <laughs> remember what was said for a long time back in the, back in the 80s, uh, just say no to what? Drugs. You know what, we, you know what folks, we just need, need to learn to say no to the flesh. Just say no. Amen. Just say no. Hebrews 10 39 says this, but we are not of them that draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. There's nothing I could do that would ever take me back to, to damnation. I'm saved because it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. But my life, my life could destroy the testimony of Jesus Christ in my life. We always say my testimony, my testimony, amen? But that's what we, but really it's not ours. It's the testimony of Jesus Christ and what he has done in a lost soul. And if, I, if I'm going to go backwards, what I'm saying to the world is that Jesus couldn't do it all. And he can do it all. Amen? Draw nigh to God. That's what the book of James says. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Amen? He will draw nigh to you. And then he says, ye sinners. He'll draw nigh to you. So he says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts. 
ye double-minded. I think God wants us to do some things, amen? I think he wants to revive us. He wants to turn us, amen? He wants to keep us. He wants to speak to us. But are we willing to allow him to have his way this week, to speak to us and have his way this week? Are Are we willing I'll pray for you this week. I don't know your names, but I'll pray for the church that you'll be willing, and I want you to do this for me. Would you pray for me that I'd be willing to listen to the Lord? Amen? Let God have his way in your life. If you're not saved, distorting my friend, I want to tell you, if you're not saved, you need to know Jesus Christ. The happiest day in my life was when I got saved. The first time in four years, preacher, where I slept without a knife in my hand under my pillow. 